All right, Alexander, let's do an update on Ukraine. And let's start with what is happening on the ground. Avdiyevka, Bakhmut. Um, where else? Well, I know we have two. We have two cauldrons and circles. Oh, and we have the the spring offensive. Everyone That's is talking about the spring everybody offensive. Everybody is build, talking. Yeah, build wrote about it in detail. Um, everyone is saying exactly how it's going to to go, how it's going to work, what they're going to do. I mean, everyone is talking about the spring offensive. So you know, we have that. You, you know, the the Russians are scratching their heads about this. I've been talking. I've been talking about the spring offensive. I don't know. When I say the Russians, I don't mean you know the Russian general staff and the Russian government, Medvedev, uh, who is the deputy chair of the Russian military industrial commission. He's he's just given as, as, as along with many other things. He's just said that the general staff knows that there will be a Ukrainian spring offensive, and they know where it's going and what it's going to do, and they're preparing for it. So, I mean, I don't mean at that level, but other Russians, the Russian commentators, the kind of people we read, and who give these very interesting and very vivid reports about what's going on in the battlefields, they are utterly, I think, bewildered by this spring offensive. They, they see this cascade of information coming out from the West about it, and they're saying, is this real? Is this for real? Or are we the target of some sort of gigantic disinformation campaign? Can it be really the case that Ukraine is out of tanks and ammunition and is nonetheless going to launch <laughs> this offensive? Or are we being spun a story about it? And I can understand completely why a lot of Russians must find this all very difficult. Because, look, we never know Russian plans. They never tell us about them. But about Ukrainian plans... Well, as you rightly say, Bill Sighting tells us where it's going to be, how it's going to be fought, what the various plans are. So that's, that's all there. It's all there for the Russian general staff to ponder and pore over and read and prepare for. And it, it seems utterly bizarre. It seems utterly bizarre to me. And the Russians don't understand it. There is going to be a spring offensive. I, as inevitable, I think that there is so much hanging on this now from the Ukrainian side and from the Western side even more, that they cannot not do it. And they've given them some, some very ambitious plans, march all the way to the sea of Azov, isolate Crimea, that kind of thing. Hardly anybody on the military side, and I'm talking about American military, thinks that's achievable, but nonetheless they're going to try. And nobody seems to know or have any real plan about what to do afterwards. But I have no doubt that there is going to be the spring offensive, and there's reports that there's a troop build-up now in Dnepro, this big city near the uh, Dnieper River, that there's a troop build-up there, that they're sending all the most advanced, all these, all these Western weapons, the 50 Leopard 2 tanks, the 14... Challenger Jew tanks, the, um, I think it's 100 um, Bradleys, the 100 Strikers, they're all being, most of them, not all of them, are being concentrated in this particular area. And they're going to try and send more fighter jets and the 33 MiG-29s they're getting from Poland and Slovakia. And at some point, fairly soon, 
over the next few weeks, we will see the spring offensive. And, of course, the Russians are ready, and we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not a military person, but to me, this all looks reckless beyond words. And, again, I've never understood. I, I really do, don't understand how you plan an offensive and tell your other, the other side all about it and broadcast your plans in this way and expect an offensive like this to succeed. But there we go. That's, I've no doubt that's what's going to happen. Because, as you said so many times, this war on the Western side is mainly PR and on Zelensky's part entirely so. Yeah, I was going to say before you get into what's going on on the ground, like right now, I was going to ask you, doesn't this, this whole spring offensive narrative feel very and it's going to happen i agree it's going to happen and the way you described it just now it just feels cinematic yeah you, you know yes. what i mean like yeah. all this build-up and the planes and the leopards and the tanks and i feel like we're 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 about to watch a, a big a big hollywood production you know, the longest, and, and, and I don't want, I, I'm not day. saying that to be, like that, yeah. I mean, this is real. Yeah, this is, this is real life. And, and, you know, this, I, I just have a feeling that, that Ukraine's going to pay a terrible price for this. Yes. The, the yes. people, the Ukrainian soldiers on the ground are going to pay a yes. terrible price for this, but it feels like the higher ups, the people calling the shots have turned this into this big spectacle and they've, they've almost been overwhelmed. The momentum's taken them over. And, and they keep on talking about this spring offensive and they keep on pumping it up and pumping it up even more and more and more. And, and there are military people who seem to be telling them, calm down, calm down. But there are no brakes. They, no. they, can't, they can't put the brakes on, on these people. I don't know. Don't, I mean, I was listening to you. I was listening to you describe it. I'm like, this is like a big, huge budget Hollywood production that they're putting together. It's, yeah, well, it's exactly what it is, and they'll be there. There'll be the media there with all the cameras. <laughs> It'll be. I mean, that is that is how it's going to work. But as you absolutely said, this is real life, and this is real war. And unsurprisingly, as I said, the Russians are bewildered about it. But you know, the actor in chief, the star of the film, he was there on the battlefronts just just yesterday. He was touring Herson region. He's also been to the Donbass. He's obviously preparing his, you know, rehearsing his role in this great movie and, you know, that has been prepared for him. Because you're quite right, that is exactly how it feels. It does have a cinematic quality. I don't think wars are fought like this. I mean, I don't know much about war. haven't known much anything at all about war until this war began. But I don't think this war is, should, should be fought in this way. I think this is a very dangerous and extremely reckless thing to do. And I have to say it's buttressed by vast amounts of false assumptions. I mean, I, I'm sure you saw it, but I did a breakdown of a long article in the Jamestown Foundation about Russian shell production. And, you know, the, and I... The premises of behind that article were just ridiculous. I mean, an analyst, any self-respecting analyst, would take them about three minutes to check them. And by the way, um, after I gave that video, a British 
former British intelligence officer contacted me and told me, you know, and he knows a, a lot about this and about production of shells. And he said, you're, you know, everything that you said, it's absolutely as it is. And he went further and he explained more things about why this, this thing is wrong. But, you know, and then I got Brian Belletti contact me. He said, well, you're absolutely right. But just notice that even these very tiny amounts of shells that the Russians are supposed to have produced are still more than we have. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, how this is all supposed to work out, I, I just simply don't understand. It, 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 none of it makes any kind of sense to me. I mean, it seems to me that... They've been swept away in their propaganda. They've been swept Sorry, they've been away, swept away by... Exactly. They've been swept away by their own propaganda. They, and they can't let it go now. And meanwhile, the, 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 the meat grinder on the ground... Continues. I hate that expression, but it describes very, very well what is actually happening. So there's been very, very bad weather in the Donbass, at least bad weather in terms of movement of troops. So you can't, neither side can carry out big advances because their forces are basically limited to the uh, um, asphalted roads and those could be easily shelled. And anyway, there's been a slowdown, but it's a slowdown in which the Russians are continuing to make progress. They've now taken at least 70% of Bakhmut, probably more. Uh, um, They're now apparently tightening their control of some of the villages around Bakhmut, places like Kromovo, Ivanivska, Bogdanovka, Ivanovo, uh, Vasilyevka, those sort of places. Um, The Ukrainians are helping the Russians by feeding more and more men into Bakhmut. And, you know, more of those rushed, more of their best troops are being sent to Bakhmut and are, are, are dying there. They're, they've apparently deployed Leopard 2 tanks. You know, they're going to get, get about 50 of them, but they're going to deploy some of them, not for this big, great cinematic offensive, but to try to hold on to Bakhmut. Um, again, it doesn't make any clear sense to me. And, of course, they're losing ground in Avdeevka, which is this other cauldron that you were talking about, which is now also beginning to form. And uh, there was an admission from the British Defence Ministry, of all places, that things are not so great for for Ukraine either in the Kremenaya Svartovo area, that the Russians are close to Kupiansk. And I've heard that the losses Ukraine is suffering there are on the same scale as the losses they're having, they're suffering in Bakhmut. So you're quite right, you know, it's the real war, because that's the real war, continues. The cinema piece, you know, the remake of The Longest Day or whatever whatever big Hollywood movie you want to, you want to uh, insert, well, that's in preparation. The IMF approved uh, a 15 billion loan to uh, to Ukraine. Yeah. They broke their own rules by approving yeah. it. Do, do you have any idea what the state of the of the Ukraine economy is, or how how they're getting by? What what's happening yeah. on, on that it, front? I mean, we talk about the Russian 
we analyze the Russian economy, but do yeah. you have any idea what's going on there? Yeah, it, it functionally, as an economy, it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, it, it, it has become like Afghanistan, you know, when Ghazni was the president, you know, when it was American-run, or South Vietnam. It, it's a shell. In effect, there is no industrial activity, apparently, to speak of, at least not in any of the big industries. There is very little. There's been a complete collapse of tax revenue. Um, GDP is said to have contracted by a third. I know that there are lots of people who think it's more than half. I'm not saying. But it survives from day to day because of cash injections from the West. They pay the, many of the salaries now. They pay a, apparently most of the civil service salaries. And, you know, they pump in money. And when you pump in money on that scale, economic activity must continue at some level because it means that people have dollars, or at least they have, they don't have dollars, they have grievances, which are backed by dollars, and they have to spend those grievances. So if you go to Kiev, you'll find lots of cafes and restaurants, shops there. There's lots of clubs, apparently. Apparently, there's a you know, big clubbing place. Um, and it all goes on, you know, partying like there's no tomorrow. I'm sure that's true in some other places. But it, it, it's not a conventional economy in any true sense. If the tap is switched off, it will all collapse instantly, all but instantly, as it did in South Vietnam and as it did, of course, in Afghanistan. It's an illusion, but, um, you know, given the economic situation of, of Europe and the U.S. who are uh, propping up Ukraine, uh, how much longer can they continue to, to prop up Ukraine? Well, that's a very good question, because you're absolutely right. I mean, we've done another program about the, 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 you know, the financial crisis in Europe, which is now getting worse. And I can't help but think that sooner or later, um, especially, I have to say, in France and Germany, and in Italy too, people will say enough's enough. Um, we have to start minding problems closer to home, rather than sending billions of dollars, billions of euros every day to Ukraine, to try to keep this shell of an economy running. Um, and uh, I, I think that there will come a point when Europeans certainly say enough. And I think there's a point coming fairly soon when Americans are doing so. I mean, all right, you know, DeSantis has had to roll back some of his comments. I think that's going to lose him support, by the way. It's going to make him look less impressive as an alternative to Donald Trump. That's another matter. But he wouldn't have made his original comments in the first place if he wasn't sensing a change in the mood uh, in the US. And if you look at the opinion polls there, they're absolutely clear. People are beginning to say, we've done enough. We've given Ukraine huge amounts of money. We can't just go on being the machine that gives more and more and more. And if there's a recession in the United States, if problems get worse again in the United States, and remember, it only skirted recession last year, and that was largely through <laughs> more financial interventions. I I'm not going to go into the details of this. Um, 
But if we do get a recession and if we do get a banking crisis in Ukraine, well, I have to say straightforwardly, both in the US and in Europe, people's patience about Ukraine is going to be exhausted and they'll say, enough's enough. We're not prepared to give any more. Yeah, you're starting to see that even with uh, with the issue of, of weapons supplies to Ukraine. You have the the Czech Republic, the you know one of the staunchest supporters of uh, of Project Ukraine. You have President Pavel coming out and saying, you know, we can't give him any more weapons. We're done. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. tapped out. Exactly. But he, he, he said, you know, if if an interesting statement, he said, if Ukraine migrants want to come to the Czech Republic to manufacture weapons, he's like, okay, but as far as our our factories, our people, our economy uh, churning out weapons. He's like we have no more. I mean that's and that's Czech Republic who's been all in on on Project Ukraine. Absolutely. And bear in mind Pavel was elected as the Atlanticist president who was going to consolidate that support. Though he's got an interesting history, by the way. He's an ex military officer and an ex member of the Czech Communist Party. Just saying. <laughs> uh, I mean, just saying. But uh, um anyway, he, he made those statements. And he, he is a military, ex-military man, and he must be speaking to a lot of people in the military. And I think they're all telling him the same thing. Look, we're, we're, we're running down. Our stocks of ammunition are desperately low. Uh, 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 crazy Borrell wants to send another million rounds of ammunition to Ukraine to support this great film script offensive that, you know, is being cobbled together. That's just about all we have left in our arsenals. We've Again, I did more programmes about this, about the fact that the, the FT, for example, is admitting that there's no possibility of increasing uh, production of ammunition in Europe. Uh, it would take at least three years to do that. Some people are saying it will take longer. And you're going to persuade European voters to fund expenditure on ammunition at a time of a, of a financial crisis. Well, you can try. You can ride over them like you always do. But it's going to make them even more angry if you do that, especially if their ammunition then gets shipped over to Ukraine. So I suspect that before very long, we're going to run into political, major political buffers as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, anything else that we need to discuss in this update or did well, we cover Everything, well, for the most part, I think we've covered. I mean, I, I don't. I mean, you can always talk about this. We can always talk about lots more, and you know, there's always fog of war about. What's yeah, going I mean, on there's a lot of other stuff. About. But, yeah. but I, I, I think as an overall picture, I think we have it there. As I said, we'll see what happens with this offensive when it's launched over the next few days or weeks. Some people say in April. Others say in May. Others tomorrow, <laughs> others today. But, you know, one way or another, it will be launched. We know where it's going to happen. And we know that the Russians are ready. And um, it will be a very interesting film to see. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, if, if we know about it, if everyone knows about it, then I'm certain the Russians knew about it months in advance and they've prepared. But we'll, we'll see how it plays out. 
Okay, uh, thedurand.locals.com. We are on Rumble and Rockfin, Odyssey, BitChute, and Telegram. And go to the Durand shop, 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.